Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. We're going to begin looking there tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Notice what it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that this could not describe Lighthouse Baptist Church, could not describe us. Lord, I know that your house of Paul is challenging his heart about the church there at Corinth. And Lord, that yet we can look at what he said and the challenges that we see within your word, Lord, to help us to not be a church that is carnal and not be a church that is immature, but Lord, that we would continue to grow, Lord, that we would have maturing Christians, and Lord, that we would be a church that could do all, Lord, that you have us to do. Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts tonight. Help us to see truth. I pray, Lord, that we would see and, and uh, help us to see individually, Lord, if we're growing in that. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, we began looking at the, the subject and the topic of spiritual maturity. And uh, we discussed what, what it is and what some of the hindrances are. Um, and one of the hindrances that I had mentioned uh, a few weeks ago was the, the society that we live in. We want everything instantly. We want it now. There's some people that get saved. They think, man, everything's going to be different, going to be changed. And there are things that are changed. There are things that are different. If any man be in Christ is a new creature, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's no doubt about the fact that you get a hold of the power of God in your life, it does definitely have an impact on you. But not all the problems go away. The problem of where you're going to spend eternity is going away. You're guaranteed you're going to heaven, but you're still struggling with that old sinful nature. One of the challenges that we have in this life is people, they want to they want to grow and they want it instantly. There's some that want, want to grow without doing anything to work for that growth. They think it should just happen, and, and actually it's something that we have to actually put our mind to and work for. It's, it's something we have to make a choice to do it. And so one of the hindrances of, of spiritual growth is truly the society we live in, the mentality that we have in, in the society. Another one that we looked at is our backgrounds can hinder us, the past. Past, uh, there's things that haunt you from the past. The friends that want to pull you away once you become a child of God from the past. Um, the, the, the things that you are involved with, and there's a lot of ungodly influences in people's life um, of the past that can definitely be a hindrance to our spiritual growth. And, so we looked at a couple of those things. We also talked about the fact that God wants us to move forward in our spiritual walk. So what is the picture we're looking for? If I'm going to grow spiritually, what does that look like? Does that mean that I become more like uh, Brother Ron or Brother Ken or become more like Brother Randy? What is spiritual growth? Who am I looking like? Lord Jesus Christ. That is the goal. Has anybody arrived there yet? Raise your hand up. All right, so we're all on the same journey, we're all in the same challenge, every one of us are to be growing more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, it ought to be progressive, it ought to be a continual thing that's happening. It ought to be a, something that you saw happen in your life even this past week. And so it's a challenge to us. And so I, I, when we began looking at this subject, I asked the question, I mean, do we want to be a, a spiritually mature church? Do we want to grow? Do we want to grow spiritually in this church? And by the way, what makes a church? It's not these four walls. That's why we can meet down here and still have church and meet down there and still have church. It's not about the wall. It's not about the place. It's about the membership. It's about the hearts of the people that are part of the membership. And you're here tonight, look around, and everybody's a member or has been a member or is a member of the church. And 
I, for us to be a growing church, it's, it, yes, the pastor is supposed to lead. The Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We understand that. There should be good spiritual leadership. And praise the Lord for godly spiritual leadership. Praise God for godly deacons and leadership in our church and godly ladies. And it ought to be something that you're, you're seeing that, but the ultimate goal is to follow and be like Christ. But we ought to be growing. And so we looked at the hindrances that could happen. And tonight I want us to move on and I want us to look at and consider some symptoms of spiritual immaturity. What are some of the symptoms? How do I identify whether or not I'm growing spiritually? What are some symptoms of spiritual immaturity? And, 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 and we must remember this before we delve into this. Symptoms are not the problem. They're an indicator of a deep-rooted problem. You take, for instance, I mean, if, if, um, um, if you get sick with the flu, let's say, and you're running a fever, the fever is not the issue. It's just an indicator that you are sick, that you've got a problem. One of the indicators you look at is if you're, if you're sick, if you're running a flu, um, you know, different things that are caused because of the root issue that your body is going through. And the same thing is true when it comes to, when we're looking at these, these symptoms or indicators that there's a deep-rooted problem that you're not growing the way that God wants you to grow. And so as we look at this, um, this is part of a, a greater study we're going to continue looking at over the next couple of weeks, but we need to try to identify the fact, okay, am I growing? And if not, how can I know whether I'm growing? Or if I am, am I really growing? Okay, so let's look at some of these um, symptoms of a lack of spiritual growth. And the first one I want us to look at is this, is a lack of concentration. A lack of concentration. Take your Bible now, if you would, turn to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be looking at a couple of different verses here in Hebrews, and then going back to Corinthians, and jumping around a little bit, but I want you to look in your Bible, if you would. Look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and look at verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, what things are, is this talking about that we have heard? What do you think? Okay, but what specifically is talking about what, that we heard? This is talking about what? Yeah, the previous chapter, which is what? What's that? Yeah, the gospel. It's talking about what you've learned. It's talking about what you've grown in. It's talking about how, the things that, okay, you're a born-again Christian. I'm looking around tonight. Everybody that's here tonight that I know of is a professing Christian, born-again believer. All right? And so we need to remember what we've been taught, what we've learned, how, how what we've already learned, and be very careful that we keep our eyes on the truth of the Word of God, and lest at any time we should slip. And so we're going to come back to that in a minute. But look at chapter 3, if you would, now. Let's, let's jump over to chapter 3 and look at verse number 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The thing I want you to focus there on is consider. Consider. Consider Jesus Christ. Look to him. Look at what he has done. All right, go to chapter 12 now. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse number 2. Hebrews 12, look at verse 2. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider, there's that word again, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And so we're supposed to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what is brought out by these exhortations is an inability to fix the heart and mind upon Christ and make him the chief object of devotion and attention. If we're not careful, there's a lot of people that they're not focusing, they are not concentrating on, they are losing focus, and there's not a concentration on keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. What what are some people concentrating on in their Christian walk aside from the Lord Jesus Christ, aside from what they've been taught? What are some things that people can be led astray from because they're not concentrating on the most important thing? What are some things? Help me out. What are they? Yeah. Okay, work, being overwhelmed by work. That's all there is is work. Okay, what else? Objects, things of this world. Absolutely. What else? Think about it. Yeah, Catherine. Okay, confusing doctrines by focusing on something other than the Word of God, reading long books that are not properly, um, not found in the Word of God. Okay, good. Uh, or false teachers even, like Brother Harold was talking about earlier, other gospels. What, what else? Yeah, politics, being overwhelmed with that. I, you know, today you've got to be so careful that that's not all you're living for. There's politics. There's a lot of people that got so swept up in this whole thing. And yeah, it's a big issue in this country. But man, that is not the main focus for me as a child of God. That's a byproduct of me being a child of God. And politics would be a byproduct of, of voting right and standing for what is true. But if you don't keep your eyes on the right goal, man, you can get all discouraged. Uh, you can get all wearied. You can get all upset. You can get, I mean, a faint in the mind. And, and, um, and so, okay, so good. So we understand there's a lot of people. And, and what I'm challenging you with tonight, what I, I believe that the writer of Hebrews here is challenging us. And we go back there. Go back, to, if you would, now to chapter 2, verse 1. Look at it again. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That phrase there, lest at any time we should let them slip. That word there, slip, it, it, it literally means to drift away. It, that's a nautical phrase describing what happens when a craft is not anchored. When a craft is not anchored in a solid foundation, when the, when the winds come and the waves blow, that, that craft is going to begin to falter. It's going to begin to go in the wrong direction. It's going to slip away, and it can cause a lot of problems, a lot of harm to that ship. And so without our hearts and minds being fixed on Christ, we are carried away by the currents of the world around us. So we've got to maintain our focus. We have to make sure that, and one of the ways you can tell whether or not a person is, is uh, growing spiritually or not is because of their concentration, what they're focusing on. Their concentration needs to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. It needs to be on what God has taught us, what God has told us to do. We need to be focusing on that um, concentration. You know, it's interesting. I want to use some illustrations as we look at this tonight and kind of parallel spiritual growth, spiritual things with the physical world we see. Talking about concentration right now, I want you to think about children for a moment. I think this is a good illustration. 
Children are unable to deliberately focus their attention and control their concentration. Have you ever noticed that? How kids have a very small focus. I mean, kids could be doing something right now, and bam, they're going to do this. Whatever just happens next, whatever looks more fun, it's very difficult. You ever given a, a, a child, three-year-old, the job of doing something and watch how long? Now, we should teach them and everything, but just naturally, that child has a very short attention span. They can't concentrate on what they're doing. But as they get older, a little more mature, they've grown. You've taught them, of course. We need to teach our children how to work. You teach them and you, you, you use proper discipline, lovingly training them how to work. By the way, you're doing them a great big help for the future if you train them how to work and to focus and, and hold concentration on getting the job done. It's a good thing. But as that child gets older, you understand that they're going to be able to do more things. They're going to be able to concentrate. They're, they're, they, they can have longer um, uh, uh, activities that they're involved with. They can go through. That's why we have Sunday school for kids. Sunday school, we have uh, classes that are laid out to really help them and, do, and doing it in such ways that will help them because they can't concentrate the same way some of you can. And sometimes the preacher has to wake you up because you're not concentrating on, nobody's sleeping tonight, I'm just kidding around. But, you know, we, we all are challenged with that. And as a Christian, the question is, what are you focusing on? Are, do, are you slipping away? Are you still grounded in the Word of God? Are you growing daily in the Word of God? Are you allowing yourself to slip? And the Bible tells us to be blessed at any time. We should let them slip. We need to be very careful. It can happen. Keep your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things we mentioned earlier that, um, about people focusing on other things, I think one of the things that people focus on is other people. Um, we need to be very careful that we don't look at other people as being that's what we're supposed to be. Even though you follow me as I follow Christ, if you follow God, I believe as I follow Christ. But ultimately, I can tell you this, people will let you down Christ will never let you down. And perfection is never going to be found here on this earth. I'm talking about this side of heaven. And you're never going to find it, but the, the Lord wants us to follow after him and be Christ-like and have that be the center of our focus. All right, so very simple. Um, are you concentrating and you focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? And the question is, okay, if you are, then that should be demonstrated by what you're doing every day. How are you focusing? How are you concentrating on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it just something that comes up every time there's a church service? Obviously, I'm preaching to you because you're here tonight. Every time a church service, you're here. Is that the only time you're focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you focusing on him in everyday life? Are you focusing on him at work? Are you, is, he, is he at the very center of your life? I've talked about this before, how the many t people, they compartmentalize their life, and they have this part over here is Christ and church. This part over here is work. This part over here is fun and games. This part over here is family. And you got all these different things. Depending on where you're at, what time of the day it is, that's what you're focusing on. And yet, the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be the center part of your life. Every spoke of your life comes off of that. You're concentrating on what that is most important. What are you focusing on? And one of the indicators, symptoms of a Christian that is not growing properly is because they're not concentrating on the most important thing. They've gotten sidetracked gotten their eyes off the door. They're slipping away. You need to be very careful with that. Number two, another indicator or symptom of either being a carnal Christian or not a non-growing Christian would be a lack of appetite. Go to Hebrews chapter 5 if you would. Hebrews chapter 5. How many of y'all want to be a growing Christian? Say amen. Amen. 
Look at chapter 5. Look at verse 12, if you would. Notice what he says here. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which ye which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who are by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He's saying, that, I mean, listen, when you should be the person teaching, you have to be taught again. You've got to go back to the basics. You got to go back to the basics and start over again. Go back to the basics and start over again. Go back to the basics and start over again. And you know it's amazing. I, I'll preach messages and I, I'll preach for years. And I had this happen one time. I'm not going to say who it was. People are no longer in this church. This is a long time ago. I had these people one time. They came up to me. Says nobody leaving the church. I said why are you leaving the church? Because you preached last week that you cannot lose your salvation. We don't agree with that. I am hitting that subject all the time. If you just now figured it out, where have you been? You've obviously not been listening. You've not been listening to what the Word of God being preached. There's something wrong. And, and, and instead of a person getting to the place of where they should be the teacher, you got to go back to the very basics. By the way, your salvation is a very basic thing. You ought to have that nailed down. You ought not let the devil rob you of the fact that you are a child of God forevermore. The devil tries to get people to doubt their salvation because all they do is go in circles and they never can move forward. Grow up. Get strong. Become the teacher of that truth. Don't Listen, if, if the preaching, if we could move forward. Now, there's times for, for milk preaching. And I say that. I'm milk toast. All right, there's a difference. All right? I'm talking about milk preaching because when we have new converts, new Christians that are here, there's times for that. But on a Wednesday night like this, and we have, I look around, and I see people say for a long time, we ought to be going on to some stronger meat, man. We ought to do that. And some of you say, I wish we would. Well, I wish we would too. And the thing is, we have to look at this. Okay, are we growing? Have you grown spiritually that we can move beyond some of the simple things? Let me give you an illustration, once again, from the natural realm that illuminates the, the world of the spiritual. Um, when we're talking about appetite. Three periods of life you cannot digest stronger meat. You know what they are? Number one, as an infant. You ever tried to feed a baby a steak? How'd that go? Well, your wife probably tried to kill you guys if you tried to do that. I, you know, you wouldn't feed an infant baby a steak. I mean, they can't, they can't chew that. They don't have any teeth. There's no way. It's very dangerous. Okay, so that's one time in your life you should you not shouldn't eat meat. Okay? Another time is during sickness. You've got uh, some poison in your digestive system, and man, I'll tell you what, you do not want a greasy, great big piece of barbecue, or, or you don't want some greasy ribs, you don't want a greasy pork chop. Can I hear an amen to that, man? When I'm sick, I don't want anybody talking about that stuff. My dad used to do that when I was a kid. He'd wonder why I'd throw up on the floor there. I mean, come on. My dad would pull my leg, he'd mess with me, and he'd say, so son, do you want, hey, how about a big, big old greasy pork? I don't want any meat. You don't want to chew on meat when you're sick. Man, you got poison inside your system. Something's messed up and whatever it is, and, and you're defiling the bat. Anyway, moving on. Uh, but, I mean, you're just sick, terribly sick. I better move on. I'm going to end up sick myself. I might, 
Which brings me to my next point. Times you don't eat meat is when you're near death. Near death. I mean, I'll tell you, if somebody's near death, you're not feeding them meat. I mean, the things that they eat is very small, if they need it at all. Small things that are easy to digest. The body can't digest the solids and the nourishment. And so when you're near death, they can't eat it. Let's make the parallel. There are three periods of our life spiritually where we cannot digest the strong meat of the Word of God. The first one is this, when we're spiritually immature. And by the way, babes in Christ, there's nothing wrong with a babe in Christ if that's, they just got saved. And they just got born again. They're a child of God, made a child of God. And now, all of a sudden, I mean, they're starting to learn things. And I mean, there's some, there's some things that's going to take some time for them to understand. What doesn't take time to understand is how to be saved. The fact that they know they're a sinner, they need a Savior, they understand Jesus died for them. They still don't comprehend everything, every dynamic of that. Has anybody here ever figured out all the dynamics of salvation yet? No. When we get to heaven, we'll understand it better. I'm not saying we don't know how to be saved. What I'm saying is I can't comprehend God's grace, His love, why He would do what He did. I can't comprehend that. Why God would, would, would do all that He's done for us. I, that's beyond my comprehension. I, 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 every day it's, a, it's something I'm in awe of, and we ought to be in that position of being in awe of God's salvation. But here's a person who just got saved. They're not going to understand some of the stronger teaching from the Word of God. And sometimes if you're not careful, you shove that down their throat, they're going to choke on it. I've seen it happen. Some um, uh, well-intending individual goes and tries to tell somebody, but don't you know you're not supposed to be wearing that to church? I mean, I'm not talking about something that's, that's, that's uh, immodest. I'm talking about how, how they, they get the way that they're wearing their clothes, the way that they're wearing their hair. Um, you know, uh, let them grow some before you shove that steak down their throat, man. And, and, and yes, teach and train, but let them grow. So we understand that. So that, that's a legitimate time when a person's ne not necessarily going to be able to eat strong meat of the Word of God. Another time is when the poison of sin enters our system. You're sick spiritually. Something's wrong. It's called sin. Sin gets inside your heart. It's down inside your system. And what used to taste good, what you used to long for, you'd smell the wonderful smell of, of, of spiritual food. It's something that you wanted, man. But now, just the thought of being in church makes you feel ill. I mean, just the thought of the preacher getting up and preaching some hard message. You say, I just don't like messages. Hard message from the Word of God. Hey, that, I, what, what do they want at that time? I can tell you what, what, what people that have this sin sick condition want. What they want is somebody to take away fear. To say everything's okay. What they want is somebody to make them feel good in their sin. And not confront them and teach them the truth from the Word of God. They, they don't want to hear that because they've got sin and it, it's gotten in and it's poisoned their thinking. It's, it's stolen their joy of their salvation from them. They don't want to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And as a result, oftentimes, what do they do? They, they start pulling away from church. They start pulling away from reading the Word of God. They pull away from the preaching of the Word of God. And, and, and sometimes they'll stay for a while, but you can mark it down. It's just a matter of time, and they can't take it. They don't want it. They'll, they'll either leave the church um, and get out of church altogether. They'll go find some church where they won't feel any conviction at all. That's what they're looking for. They have sin. The poison of sin is in their system. And then the third way, we're talking about near death, when the person is so controlled by sin and self that they become a castaway in God's service. You know that could happen.
person gets so far out there, they don't want nothing for the things of God, they don't, they don't care about God at all, that we're not talking about concentration here. No, they're, they're concentrated completely opposed to the things of God. They have nothing to do with it. They don't want to be in that church. They want nothing to do with God. And you know what God does to them? He takes away their salvation. No. I said that on purpose because we need to understand how crazy thinking that is. God says, you're no longer my son. No, it doesn't do that. No, what God does is God will take a person perhaps and put them on a shelf where they're of no value spiritually in this world. And there's sometimes, the Bible tells us that sometimes they, he takes them to heaven. Tell you that there's times that might be the most gracious, merciful thing that God can do, and loving thing that, that God can do. But there, there, there are times in our life we can't take that strong meat of the Word of God, and so I'm challenging you tonight to ask you where are you at right now? Are you spiritually immature? By the way, if you're spiritually immature, let me ask you: Don't raise your hand or say it out loud. How long have you been saved? How long have you been born again? I mean, if, you've been, if you just got saved recently, then you're going to take some time to learn and grow. It's not going to happen overnight. We already talked about some of the hindrances. But if you've been saved for some time, and you would still consider, I mean, maybe you won't, but I'm asking the Holy Spirit of God to challenge your heart. You see the truth as the Holy Spirit illuminates your heart. Are you growing spiritually? And if you're not growing, what's wrong? Are you seeing some of these symptoms in your life? And there used to be a time when you longed to get into the Word of God, longed to pray, longed to get to church. You wanted to hear a good, strong preaching. Something's changed. What's changed? Well, that preacher just doesn't please me anymore. You've got to be prepared to eat, folks. You've got to come prepared where you've been eating every day. And I'll tell you what, if you've gone without food for some time, you can't take a, good, a big, strong meal. You're not going to be able to get the nourishment from it or make you sick. See, there's good illustrations. We understand it physically, but there's a spiritual application we see here as well. Are you spiritually immature? If you've been saved for some time, then really being immature is more of the carnal Christian. Living for the flesh, living in sin. Sin's gotten poisoned you. Thirdly, things that we could see in our life that would be symptoms of a lack of spiritual growth would be a lack of discernment. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, if you would. Ephesians chapter 4. Notice what Paul says here to the church at Ephesus. Of course, the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us tonight. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Do you realize there's people lying and wait to deceive you? There are quote-unquote preachers and teachers out there that are lying and wait to deceive you. There are family members that are lying and wait to deceive you. I'm talking about not necessarily the good Christian godly people that you in this church. I'm talking about people that would be outside, people that don't know Christ the way you do. There's people that are looking. There are people that are, that are being, that are in a false way of teaching that are looking to carry you away. And he's saying that you henceforth be no more children. Grow up. Know what the Word of God says. Know what, what, what proper doctrine is. 
Knowing what you believe in. Have conviction in what you believe in. Know for absolute fact from the Word of God that you're born again Christian, child of God. Know that it's God's will that you're part of this church, that God has put you here, that God is causing you to learn and grow. Get grounded in the Word of God and, 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 and have some conviction to your living. There are a lot of Christians today that are living in the gray. That's all they ever do. They don't live by conviction at all. They're not grounded in the Word of God. They have no discernment. No discernment whatsoever. They're being deceived and, and they're falling for all kinds of tricks from the devil and those that are, that are men that are slight of men and cunning craftiness that are lying in wait and deceiving. And they have no discernment whatsoever. By the way, that word discern, it's, uh, in its derivatives, it's translated to the Greek word anakrino. And it means to distinguish, to separate out by diligent search to examine. All right? to distinguish, to separate out by diligent search to examine. Discernment is the ability to properly discriminate or to make determinations. It is related to wisdom. In the context we're talking about, we're talking about godly wisdom is what we're talking about. Having proper discernment. And the Word of God itself is said to discern the thoughts and intentions of one's heart, by the way, too. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God can... can properly discriminate or make determinations about where your heart is at right now. The Word of God can. That's why it's important to get into the Word of God. That's how God will work in your heart. That's how God will give you this wisdom we're talking about. That's how you gain proper spiritual discernment is by getting into the Word of God. It's important we understand that. And so um, when we talk about discernment, properly discriminate or make determinations, uh, wisdom, you could also say that spiritual discernment is the ability to distinguish the transient from the permanent to determine the eternal value. Now, what's that talking about? Proper discernment is able to look at that which is temporal and then see that which is eternal and make a decision of what you're going to do based on what's most important. What is most important? The temporal or that which is eternal? Help me out. What's, what is eternal? We can get temporary satisfaction, we can live in sin for a season, we can do things of this world, and, and we can do wrong things that are temporary, that, that are going to bring all kinds of problems, in. but there's also things in this world that we can do that are temporal, that aren't necessarily wrong. But we need to have spiritual discernment of whether that's the right thing for us to do. Um, sometimes the important distinction we need to discern is not between what is evil and what is good, but between what is comparatively harmless and what is actually valuable. What is most valuable to spend your time, talent, and treasure on? How are you spending that? Do you have proper discernment of using the life that God has given to you that you only have one of? Are you properly investing every moment that you never get back again? Are you using proper discernment? That's one area of looking at it. Another area, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look there if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. Notice what it says. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. What's he say next? See it? 
let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Oh, I should be going after somebody else's wealth. Then, right? That's what he's telling me. Man, I, Colin, I need to go after all the money you got, man. Am I in trouble? That's what I meant, yeah. <laughs> That's a bad focus, isn't it? What's this talking about? What's the, what's the key here? What's the, what's the principle? more concerned about how what I'm doing has an impact on them than on my liberty to choose what I want to do. That's what it's talking about. Paul is saying here that we shouldn't be asking, is it lawful to do such and such? That shouldn't be the question. Young people, listen, it's not a question of whether it's lawful or not. Of course, obviously, we need to obey the law. That's not what we're talking about here. The question should not be, is this lawful for me to do? The question should be, will this edify? Is this going to build myself up and, and be more like Christ? And is it going to edify my brother and sister in the Lord? That's the key here. And if it's building me up, being more like Christ, it's going to be edifying unto them as well. We need to, that's the question that we should ask. The believer who defends their actions by saying what's wrong with it all the time is still self-centered and carnal. They're certainly not spiritually mature. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't care. I, listen, I don't, I had, <laughs> I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again. There was this young man I was talking to, and they, they were having, actually, I walked into a conversation, there were several young people talking. They're talking about using spice. You guys ever heard of spice? Smoking spice? This was a big rage several years ago. I don't know if he was still around. All it was is a, a doorway to open up to go from spice to marijuana and to bigger things. And this, this young man was talking about spice, and he was coming, he came from a religious group, he was part of a religious college. I don't remember what college it was, but it was supposed to be a Christian college, and these kids were coming from that college. And I, I walked up to him and I said, and, and it was in a setting where I didn't just come up out of the blue. We were in the same room, and, and he knew who I was, I knew who he was. I said, how can you do that? Don't you understand what, what, what you're opening yourself up to? And he said to me, I don't feel any conviction about it. I have no conviction. So therefore, it's not wrong for me to do it. <laughs> okay. Now, I don't know where that young man's at tonight, but I'd like to see how that affected him and people around him. I really would. Because I know some of the people he hung out with. I know them. And I know where they're at today. There's some of them that are drunks right now. There's some of them that I've never seen where they, weren't, they were sober. And they hung out in that group, and they, they used that mentality that, well, it doesn't convict me, it's okay. Hey, listen, we ought not be walking around and say, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Well, we ought to be walking around and say, Lord, what will you have me do? What, what should I do? And Lord, I'm going to get into your word so I know what's right and what's wrong. And Lord, I'm going to be so pliable that your Holy Spirit, all it has to do is speak to me, and I'm going to say, yes, sir. Be willing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We, we get to the place where, you know, that, that's okay, that's okay. That, my parents, they were just old fogies, didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> Maybe they're old fogies, but they might have known what they're talking about. I'm just kidding around. I mean, they might be older people. They might come from a different generation. They did, obviously. But there was truth to the things that they were saying. Or you might say, my parents said things but didn't do everything perfect. It's okay. Are you perfect? And what are you going to do for your kids? How are you going to be? 
are you going to make choices based on what is expedient or uh, lawful, or are you going to do what's expedient? Are you going to make decisions based on that? So ask yourself the question, why are you doing what you're doing? And Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. There's things Paul wouldn't do in certain places because of the fact that the stumbling block that it would be. And so the, the key here is not seeking our own, but looking to the, the benefit of other people and edifying. And so be, be very careful of that. Um, once again, I want to make kind of an illustration with the physical realm. Um, let's think about um, a, a child that gets birthday money. All right, talking about lack of discernment. So a child gets some birthday money. How much discernment does a child have with that money? What do you think? What do they do? They get that money, and they want to do what with it? Immediately spend it, just like Will was taught by his dad. I know he was taught that way. Well, financially, just spend the money when you get it. No, I know that's not true at all. He gets the money. He wants to spend it. I'm talking about a child now. The child is allured by what looks good. He wants to buy it, but the packaging could be the most, that's, that's the thing. That, and so he'll go buy an airplane because it looks good. It's got wheels. I mean, what good is an airplane with wheels that just can't fly? It's nothing. All it is is just a, an allurement. This child wants to spend their money. See, children cannot see past the packaging to real value. There's so many Christians today that aren't growing. They're immature Christians. They can't see past the packaging to real value. They have no discernment. Go to Hebrews chapter 13 now, if you would. Look at verse 9. Hebrews 13, verse 9. The book of Hebrews was written um, initially to whom? Yeah, this first Hebrew is exactly right. So they came from a Hebrew background. They had an understanding of Hebrew religion. And Hebrews and Leviticus are a great cross-study. So when you read this, just understand where we're coming from on this, right? Look at verse number 9. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Underline that word grace in the mind. Not with meats. Which have not profited them, but have been occupied therein. He's making a comparison here when they're talking about, if you look at this whole chapter, it's talking about the altar. It's talking about the old way of doing things. It's talking about the Hebrew way of, of following Levitical law. It's talking about going to the temple and offering up sacrifices. It's talking about even the, the Pharisees and the even the, the, the priest, the high priest at this time that was rejecting Jesus Christ, not acknowledging Jesus Christ. And he says, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. He's making the point here that for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself as a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. He's making a point here talking about not with meats. He's making the connection here with sacrificial system of going back under Judaism, going back and, and, and offering up meats. And it didn't even profit them. Who was saved by any one of those sacrifices? And he's saying it did not profit them. And so in, immature believers are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And these young Christians, they thought that they were being spiritual by intertwining that, that world, uh, the old way, I'm talking about the way that they used to be as Hebrews, and they were following after some of these, having these, still these burnt offerings. They thought they were doing what was right, but it wasn't biblical. They were being tossed back and forth. They hadn't grown. 
Now go to Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 14. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What's that saying? What's that? Yeah, Jesus Christ. He was the offering. You don't have to go back and offer up sacrifices. He was the final offering. He is the one that was the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, he, that, that hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. You want eternal security? Right there it is. I've been sanctified. Positionally, God sees me through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Positionally, he sees me through the, the, the righteousness of Christ. That's how God looks at us if you're a child of God. Practically, though, I, I need to continue to become more and more like Christ every day. It is something that we have to ask the Holy Spirit of God to work in our life. We have to be focused on. We have to be working toward that. That being all said, though, understand this. It's not a works of righteousness which we have done. You have to keep your mind set on the right thing. Don't be tossed back and forth. There are some Christians today that get so caught up in following all kinds of laws and rituals that they think they have to do that in order to be saved. It's the same thing these Hebrews were doing. We need to make sure that we are properly grounded in the Word of God. I've known people that were born-again Christians that I thought they were anyway. They were saved. They, they professed salvation and baptized scripturally. They became a Jehovah's Witness because they were tossed to and fro. They never grew. They were told somehow that they had had it all wrong. I've known people. I've known people that are dear to me that became uh, Seventh Day Adventists, and they, they they believed that they had to go. They went back to the law. The same thing we're talking about here. Tossed. Now, how does that happen? I know a man that that gave me the assurance of my salvation when I was 12 years old. His name was Bill Madley. Ended up in the charismatic movement later on. How does that happen? How does a person get there? Because people aren't rightly dividing the word of truth. They're not reading the word of God. They're not growing spiritually. They're not getting plugged in, and they're not plugged into the word of God through the week. So when they get to church and the Holy Spirit of God is working, that they're letting God speak to their heart and getting the exact message God wants for them. They're not growing. They don't know the word of God. They can't see counterfeit because they don't know the truth. And they get led astray. Hebrews 5.13 says, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. It is babe. Are you skillful in the word of righteousness? Could you lead a person to Christ tonight? Do you know how? Could you answer some fundamental doctrine questions from the word of God? Do you know the word of God? Are you growing spiritually? So we've defined spiritual maturity, being like Christ, becoming more like Christ desiring to be more and more like Christ. We discussed hindrances to it, and we looked at symptoms of spiritual immaturity, a lack of concentration, a lack of appetite, a lack of discernment. Are there any of those symptoms that are present in our life? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed, we pray. God desires that we grow, that we mature, that we become more like Christ. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts now. I pray, Lord, we would allow for you, Lord, to speak to us. We would have a self-examination, Lord, and see, are we growing? Are we focused on what's most important? Are we bouncing all over the place? Do we have a spiritual appetite? 
challenge our hearts tonight. Help us to grow. Help us to see fruit. Go ahead, God, and ask for what you ask for. You know Christ. Have you been born again? Is there a time and a place in your life where you trusted in Him as your personal Savior? You say, yes, I know I'm saved. Have no doubt of it. Would you raise your hand up? Say, yes, I know I'm saved. God bless you. Put your hands down. Perhaps you're here tonight. You don't have that peace. You don't know if you died this moment that you go to heaven. I ask you right now, is God speaking to your heart? Could I pray for you? Anybody like that? You say, I don't have that peace. I don't know if I die there or go to heaven. Christian, are you growing? Growing means becoming more like Christ. Have you grown this past week, past month, past year? Is there fruit in your life to demonstrate that growth? Is God speaking to your heart? Is there a time in your life when you've had a, a bigger spiritual appetite than you have now? Is God speaking to your heart tonight? I invite you. Why don't you just ask the Lord? Say, Lord, reveal it in my heart. Lord, help me see. Do you want to grow? Would you ask God? Lord, help me grow. Lord, I want to be more like you. Do you know the word of God? Do you know truth? Would you say, Lord, I, I want to study your word more. I want to be strong. I want to be a strong Christian and edify others. And be able to answer those questions my children ask. And people at work, Lord, help me, Lord, understand. Would you ask that God would help you with that and give you wisdom? Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that we may listen, may we hear your voice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I invite you. God speaking to